All right, so we're live. Um, so today's talk is on intimacy and surrender. Oh, so this talk is on intimacy and surrender. And basically a lot of it comes down to feminine and masculine principles. So the feminine state is to be in surrender. That's the natural state. So if you can think about it as like water in a swimming pool, she's relaxed. She just is, right? The swimming pool merely holds space for her and doesn't need anything from her. And the swimming pool like container, which is masculine, which is boundaries, doesn't want her to be anything different than what she is. But most of us have difficulty with this kind of surrender because of several factors. Number one, there's no trust of the masculine. Number two, the masculine does not respect the feminine. And uh, number three, we don't trust the feminine herself. So there's these three problems at play when it's really difficult to surrender. But I would argue that surrender is the natural state of the feminine. Like water is supposed to just be water. If she seizes up and freezes, that's because she has fear. And the reason she would have fear is because the boundary, the water container is not doing his job. So how did this start? Well, when we were young, we were the babies and our moms were supposed to take care of us. And the baby is supposed to be in a state of surrender. You know, this is the natural state of a baby. And the mom does all kinds of things to the baby. You know, they change the nappies, they make the baby wake up, they, they feed the baby, they do all these things. They make all these decisions for the baby, which is to give order to the baby. So the mom, even though she's in a, a female body, she's a feminine identified person, she's the masculine to the baby. So if you're a baby, even if you're male bodied, if you're the baby, then you're used to being the feminine to your mom's masculine. This is where things can go awry because number one, a lot of times our moms were not attuned to us. And so she was doing things to us that we didn't like. Um, another thing that can happen is that she kind of used us for herself meaning rather than her serving us and doing masculine things like acts of service on behalf of the baby, I've seen really, really young babies, sometimes even in utero, starting to serve their mothers. Like they can tell that their mom is sad. So they give their energy to their mom. This is an act of service. So now you have this perversion, this perversion of the energy dynamic where the feminine baby who is supposed to receive the order and the service from the mom, the feminine baby becomes masculinized and starts to serve and give energy to the masculine. So this is the beginning of the messed up dynamic where the feminine becomes masculinized and starts to give her energy to the masculine. She changes because the masculine isn't sufficient. So this is how you can see the swimming pool like the water in the swimming pool suddenly seizes up, right? And it becomes masculine, becomes linear, becomes concrete because the pool itself can't hold her. This is the beginning of this dynamic. Another thing that happens here is that the feminine, which is like the divine feminine that you receive from your mom, this like transmission you're supposed to be receiving from your mom. Usually our moms are a little bit overworked. They are overwhelmed by being a mom. And we get the sense that there's scarcity because our moms didn't have enough. And so this is where the distrust of the feminine starts. 
where we just assume that there isn't enough, there isn't enough food, you know, there isn't enough love, there isn't enough attention. So these two disorders start to happen, start to happen with our moms where we don't get the proper transmission of the divine feminine. So surrender and trusting of the universe is really, really difficult. And then we also get this disorder where the feminine becomes masculine to serve the masculine rather than the other way around because we had to serve our moms because they were this kind of like lazy feminine and needed our help. And even if we didn't give our energies to our moms when we were infants, which actually I think a lot of us did, when we were older, you know, she needed emotional help or she needed some kind of physical help. She needed something so that a lot of times we could help her be more like the mom we wanted so that we could try and receive love from her. So to me, a lot of times, the reason why people have difficulty feeling their boundaries or they don't trust themselves is because their masculine is a little boy stuck in time at the time of the trauma when you started to do this to your mom or for your mom. So let's say when you were four years old, you started to do the thing for your mom, whatever it was. For some people, it was even like taking care of the house. For other people, it was actually becoming like your mom's energetic boyfriend. Like even if you're in a female body, like your mom was so lonely and didn't have a man or whatever, and you just like become her boyfriend. Um, a lot of adults are still their mom's boyfriends. I know people in their 40s who spend all their time with their moms because they don't want their moms to be alone. So they become their mom's boyfriends. So if at four years old, you started to do this thing for your mom, then now your masculine is stuck in time. You know, he's not this adult male. He's this immature masculine. And even if you're 34 rather than four, your inner masculine is four years old. And then you repeat this thing where now your feminine needs to become masculinized to make up for the fact that your own masculine is four years old. So I actually have a lot more to say here, but I wanna check in with you all. Like, how is this landing? I can definitely relate to a lot of the things that you have said right now. And it makes okay. a lot of sense to me, so yeah. Okay, great. Anyone else? It's everything that you said completely resonates with me um, from what you said about having to just kind of like serve and appease your mom yeah, um, so that she can be the kind of mom that you need her to be that resonated like on so many levels for me. Okay. And yeah, I felt like you were, you were talking to me. Yeah, so definitely. Yeah. Okay, great. Okay, I'm glad it's landing. <laughs> so I'll continue for a little bit. So in order for the feminine to surrender, that means you need to heal this thing from when you were little. Because your masculine is stuck in time and acting like he's, you know, he's acting towards the feminine as if the feminine were just as deficient as your mom's transmission of the divine feminine. So number one, what I'm talking about here is that the masculine doesn't trust the feminine. He doesn't trust that she's abundant. He doesn't trust that she's creative. He doesn't trust that she will attract in everything necessary. 
this kind of lack of trust in the feminine, you can see in, let's say, like exterior family dynamics where uh, the mom and the dad have a bad sex life. The mom is tired all the time. She's masculinized. Um, it's hard for her to relax. She's very anxious. There's no money. And the man uh, distrusts her, is angry at her for not being like fluid. And he works really hard to put bacon on the table. And there's like this resentment towards the feminine, his wife. This is like one kind of archetypal example of not trusting the feminine. Because I would argue, you know, I would argue that at the highest possible vibration, if you had a biological woman and a biological man who decided to become partners and raise children together, this is just an argument. Um, and the divine masculine and the divine feminine were being properly transmitted then the divine feminine represented by the woman in this relationship, she would be so abundant. She'd be attracting in so many opportunities and so much money and wealth and pleasure that the man would merely have to give her space, witness her, honor her, and everything would happen like magic. He wouldn't have to go out and grind it out in a nine to five job. You know, that happens in the absence of magic. So, so here, this is like a representation of a lack of trust in the feminine that she can do her job. And you can see here too, that the feminine doesn't trust herself. She doesn't think that she can do her job. And she doesn't think that there is abundance, right? She's quite dry and she also grinds it out. Another way to see this archetype is that there's no man whatsoever. It's a single mom. She's the man and the woman in one body and she has no time for her kids. She's working two, three jobs and she's like barely putting food on the table. Everything is hard. This is another way to see this archetype. But you can see that it shows up in real life in many different ways, but the energy dynamic is the same. The masculine doesn't trust the feminine. The masculine has to do grunt labor to make up for this lack of abundance that the feminine does not have. And she doesn't trust herself either. She doesn't even think it's possible. So there's like, she doesn't trust herself he doesn't trust her. He doesn't respect her. How can she surrender, right? How can she surrender? There's no trust. There's literally no trust. And to me, the highest version of surrender is to surrender to the universe. Because forget your biological mom, forget any kind of masculine energy and or a male partner. The universe is your mother. She loves you more than anything. She wants you to succeed. And she has more than enough for you. Now, you are the universe's child. And so if you reconnect to the universe and you can surrender to the universe like a perfect little baby, then I would say that this is like a correction of this kind of dynamic. But it can be really hard to get there if you don't even think it's possible and you don't even know what's going on. Like you don't trust yourself, but you don't even know what's going on. You know, um, I personally remember at some point on my journey, like starting to really connect with the universe in such a way where I realized, holy shit. The universe is such a better mother for me than my own biological mother was. Like she's so much more generous. You know, she has so many more gifts and I can't make a mistake. One thing about the masculine and the feminine here is that the masculine cannot expect the feminine to be any different than she is. I'll give so many examples of this. So if your mom expected you as a child to be any different than you were, that's fucked. This really fucks with your relationship with surrender and intimacy and trust because she doesn't respect you. 
And this is a version of her needing you to be something other than you are to serve her. This is a version of the masculine needing the feminine to change on the masculine's behalf. So imagine this like body of water, the swimming pool. Let's say the, the container for the swimming pool is like, I don't like the water in the swimming pool. I need you to change for me. That's really fucked, right? And suddenly the water in the swimming pool is like, I guess I'm not good enough. I guess I'm not okay. I guess I have to do something other than just be and relax, you know? And you can see the seizing up, this tension, this anxiety, you know? And she starts to be this other thing. How can you have intimacy if you're not going to be accepted for being the thing you actually are? So the role of the masculine is not just to honor and witness the feminine exactly as she is, but if she's seized up, you know, if she's anxious, to help her open. He is supposed to help her relax. He is the order to her disorder, her chaos, um, to her anything, you know, anything is okay. And so back to this thing, when I started to reconnect with the universe in a very specific way, I realized, holy shit, I can't make a mistake. My, you know, the universe loves me. I can't make a mistake. There's nothing wrong. I never do anything wrong. And it's just like a mom with a baby, you know, like if the baby poops on her face, it's like, oh, I love my baby, you know? Sometimes babies poop all over the wall somehow, somehow that happens. And like the mom's like, I love my baby. You know, the baby can't make a mistake. Whereas if you had a mom that goes like, I don't like when my baby is loud. I don't like when my baby needs attention and I don't have time to give her attention. You know, I don't like when my baby reflects back to me my unhealed trauma. <laughs> Uh, I know a woman who is an actual biological mother and her baby's extraordinarily smart. She hates that. She hates that in her baby because she is also extraordinarily smart, but her own biological family and her generation didn't like that. So they made her do more of like, let's say blue collar stuff. So her extraordinarily smart baby reflects back to her, her unhealed trauma. You know, the fact that she herself is smart, she rejects in her own baby. Something as good as being smart. So, you know, you can imagine this happens in pretty much any family because most of our mothers, they couldn't, I mean, they, this is a whole other story philosophically about why humans grew up in traumatizing families, but our own biological mothers most likely uh, didn't accept themselves, were traumatized and passed down this like perversion of the divine feminine. And on top of that, being the masculine to our feminine needed us to serve her. So I'll pause there again, check in with you all. How is that landing? And do you have any questions so far? Okay, I'm so yeah, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm de definitely still following. Um, I just try to see it in my dynamic with my biological mother and a lot of makes a lot of sense so i'm i'm still resonating and i'm still following um yeah okay great no questions so far so i think i have like various topics i just want to touch upon um one is this idea of being the mommy so if you are feminine identified, 
and you've been in a relationship with a masculine identified person. I wouldn't be surprised, especially if you consider yourself an empath or you were an empath at some point in your life, that you found yourself being the mommy to this masculine identified person. Like somehow they weren't man enough, you know, they couldn't be the masculine container to your femininity. It just wasn't happening. You became their mommy. Why is this? I think the easiest way to look at this, which is the most surface level, is, oh, he, probably it's a he, he has unhealed trauma and it's just coming out in our relationship and he just needs some mommy, so I'll provide that for him because whatever. This really kills the sex, right? That, I think, is the most surface level explanation. What I would argue is that in your shadow, as the feminine identified person in your shadow, you had an extraordinarily immature masculine because that masculine is stuck in time based on the trauma with your personal biological mom or whoever raised you. So again, if you experience this trauma when you're four, when you're like, oh my God, my mom will reject me unless I serve her in this particular way, then that's when your development arrested. You could no longer feel safe developing being your true self, that's when you got stunted in growth and started doing this fake other thing instead, which then eventually became your ego identity. So stuck in your shadow, unbeknownst to you, you probably don't think about this much, is something like a four-year-old boy. That's your masculine. And he is primed to serving the mommy or the biological mommy. But in this case, uh, like in this case, in your whole system, you're the feminine baby serving the masculine biological mom. So there's a lot of perversions here. When you grow up, you have a masculine identified partner who acts like a little boy. That's just a reflection of your inner little boy. And it can be really hard to trust this person or surrender to this person because they're literally untrustworthy. The masculine is supposed to protect the feminine, right? The, the container for the water is supposed to hold the water, not do anything to the water. But when you find yourself as the feminine contorting yourself to please the masculine experience rather than the other way around, then you have this like recreation of your inner four-year-old, outside four-year-old, He's extraordinarily needy, just like your mom. And then you just contort yourself to feed him. Um, then you become the mommy in the situation. You become masculinized. Just like with your own biological mother, you, the child, the feminine child, became masculinized to serve your biological mother. So I would say that this more is what is going on. And if you want to like solve this kind of dynamic in your exterior world, you really need to heal your own inner masculine. So how do you do this? How do you heal your own inner masculine? Actually, and I would argue it starts with your feminine. You can't just heal your masculine. That's, that's what I would argue. You don't have to agree with that. I believe you have to heal your feminine first. And the one thing she's doing to keep this masculine at four years old, meaning your internal dynamic, is she doesn't trust herself, as we discussed earlier. She doesn't trust that she can bring, bring in the, the goods in terms of abundance and like creativity and this kind of thing. 
but she has very low self-value. She has shame. And therefore she doesn't think she's worth protecting. So if you are a 34 year old woman, for example, but your inner masculine is a four year old boy, how well can he protect this 34 year old woman? Automatically, you can see there's this mommying going around where she needs to kind of take care of herself for herself. And there's this dangling four, inner four-year-old that she needs to take care of. There's like mommying thing that's happening internally, which then gets reflected externally with this uh, masculine identified person who may be your partner. So she needs to raise her own self-value first. This is what I've seen time and time again, that when the feminine shifts, this is internal, that is. When the feminine shifts, the masculine just becomes his counterpart to like match her. He's almost like always in responsive mode. So if she goes, I have high self-value, he goes, great, I'm going to defend you. If she goes, I have low self-value, then he's going to check out and not defend her. It starts with her first. This is what I've seen. You can't have low self-value and then expect your masculine to defend you. And this is why boundaries don't work in many ways when people say clearly with their mouths, do not cross this boundary. But their internal energy is like, I don't care about my own boundaries. I have low self-value. Then the external people cross those boundaries all the time anyway. And people are like, why is this happening? I was so clear on my boundaries. I'm like, no, you weren't. Like your words might've been clear, but your energy was extremely like, please violate me kind of energy because you had low self-value and people pick up on that. So if you want to heal your inner masculine, who is something like a four-year-old boy, then you have to heal your inner feminine first. And the first thing that, that has to happen is she needs to raise her own self-value. Then the masculine will like change, change to match her. And to me, I personally would call this vulnerability. This is what I would consider vulnerability. So it's like, if I gave you a million dollars and I'm like, hey, here's a million dollars in cash. I'll come back in one year for it. Please hang on to it for me. I'm being vulnerable because you may disappear with that money or you might spend some of it or something like that. Me trusting you with something gives you a chance to show up. Are you gonna have integrity? Did you even realize you had that level of integrity? You can't test your own integrity unless you're given an opportunity. So when the feminine, internal feminine raises her own self-value, then she can afford to be vulnerable and ask her own inner masculine to prove his integrity in real life, which is the equivalent of me giving you a million dollars and trusting that I'll be there when I come back. So how is this landing with people? And any questions so far? Uh, thank you for sharing all of this. Um, that really, really resonates. Um, and did I get this right? That there's like an inner boy and an inner girl? Or is there just like, you know, because we always talk about inner child and obviously me as a female identified person, I say my inner girl, that's how I think of it. But you were just saying that it was a boy and a girl. So is that 
Right. That's a good question. I mean, there's a lot of, there's larger jargon terminology and concepts here. It can be also extraordinarily confusing because I'm talking about your biological mom, who's obviously female, but she's the masculine to your inner child or your child when you were growing up. And it doesn't matter if you were a little boy or a little girl, as you're growing up, you're still the feminine to the masculine mom, you know? Um, here, what I'm talking about specifically is the maturity of your feminine and the maturity of your masculine, just your feminine and masculine energy. It may or may not necessarily look like or feel like your inner child or your inner children. I personally see and like believe in um, like an inner mother and an inner father and two inner children, your masculine and feminine inner children. Here, you can see your inner masculine energy sometimes identifying as your inner little boy and maybe even sometimes identifying as your inner father, but it's just your masculine energy. However, he permutates it. I think it depends on what we're necessarily talking about in the moment, but that's a really good question. I would not say it's a one-to-one to inner child stuff because if you think about it, your boundaries are the job of your inner father who is supposed to be mature, you know? But the, the thing is, what I'm arguing is he probably isn't mature. He probably has the maturity of a four-year-old as if he were a child, which is why he needs mommying. And I'll give you a real life example of this. I personally think of your inner mother and your inner father as aspects of your mind. And your mind has to take care of your body. And I think of your body as feminine. I think of your body as your inner child. So if someone's in a coma and their mind isn't there, their body might be functioning like totally well, right? There's nothing wrong with their physical body, but because their mind is not present, the body can't move. The body can't feed itself. The body can't drink. The body can't, you know, walk and go to the bathroom or take or, you know, make decisions and do this or do that. Even if the physical body is like perfectly fine. So what I'm trying to say is that your mind needs to make decisions for your body and that's the only way your body gets to do anything. So very similarly, the baby can't do anything. The mom makes the decision for the baby and then does things to the baby, hopefully with the baby's best interests in mind. So what that means is the mom should be, should be attuned to the baby. And whatever she does to the baby should be in the baby's best interest. This usually doesn't happen, which is where this gets disordered for us growing up. And how this gets disordered and appears in day-to-day -day life is, does your mind make decisions for your body that is good for your body? Or does your mind do things to your body that it just feels like doing and makes your body become the mommy or take care of the mind. So if you're eating junk food, is that for your body or for your mind? If you're drinking alcohol, is that for your body or for your mind? If you are in an abusive relationship that your body is like screaming no, you know, and your mind is like, I can't let them go, I love them. Is that for your body or for your mind? It's always for the mind, it's always for the mind. And as long as the mind is not attuned to the body and is narcissistic and cares more about its own experience than the body's experience, 
then you're going to continue having this disorder that started when your mom was not attuned to you. And therefore the masculine didn't give a shit about the feminine. And this is why you don't trust yourself. So not trusting yourself, being untrustworthy is what makes it difficult to have intimacy with yourself and or other people. Because this is like very clear and classic, right? Where your mind wants your body to be anything other than itself. Your mind wants the body to serve the mind. This is very similar to the mom wanting the baby to serve the mom. This is very similar to uh, the, the masculine like container for the water, wanting the water in the container to somehow serve the container. It's so messed up. It doesn't even make sense, but we do that. And so if you do any of those things that your body doesn't trust you, you're proving yourself to be untrustworthy. You're proving that your masculine sucks at being masculine, you know, is being this like lazy feminine that wants to be served. And this is the root. This is the root of not being able to be intimate with other people. You can't be intimate with yourself because you don't give a shit about what your body actually wants and needs. And that's intimacy to me. Your masculine taking care of the feminine and being attuned to her and not wanting her to be any different. So, you know, I knew a woman who started dating a guy and um, she, he did this one thing that really turned her on. They were going on a tour and a van came to pick them up and the van had to pick up like three or four other people after them. And it's a tour, it's an all day tour. And she was running late and she was really stressed out because, you know, she's late for the van. The van is going to be late for three or four other people. It's going to cut into the day of the tour. And he, rather than going, hey, hurry up, you're 30 minutes late, you know, we're going to mess up the other people. He was like, hey, don't stress. Let me call the company and tell them we need 30 more minutes. Do you need an hour? Let me call them and say we needed an another hour. He didn't care. He didn't care if they were going to make everyone else late. He just didn't care. He didn't care about the consequences of her being her. He didn't want her to change. He wanted her to just be her. He didn't put pressure on her to, to morph from her natural state. You can't imagine how much this turned her on, you know, because he cared about her boundaries so much. That was the most important thing in the world to him. And in terms of pure boundaries work, the masculine defending the feminine's boundaries with his life is a definition of integrity. And that is precisely what a four-year-old boy can't do for you. Uh, the four-year-old boy either wants you to serve him, so he needs a mommy, so the feminine becomes masculinized, or worse, I would say the, the masculine just does things to the feminine no matter what she thinks or feels against her boundaries, which is rape, perpetration, violation. A four-year-old masculine doesn't have presence, cannot be attuned to the feminine. And the four-year-old masculine is the one that gets addicted. So it's with your addicted four-year-old masculine mind that you do shit to your body. And she, as the feminine, feels raped and violated. Junk food, alcohol, those are just examples. There's tons of other things though, right? Um, and this is why you don't trust yourself. And this is why you deep down inside think that you're untrustworthy. And this is why you don't trust other people and you have bad boundaries with them no matter what you say with your mouth because you violate your own boundaries all the time. So this is what interrupts intimacy. This is what keeps you from being in surrender. And so I would argue that basically the crux of it all, if you can just remember one thing, is you have to develop your integrity.
This is the crux of it all. You have to develop your integrity. And that stems from the feminine developing self-value, um, releasing shame and fear, and a bunch of other things. I'm curious, I wanna check in one more time. How is this landing? And do you have any questions? So everything is landing really well. Um, everything makes so much sense. Um, of course, the whole masculine and feminine aspects, I'm still learning about that. Um, so the aspects of ourselves that are masculine and feminine. But what I wanted to ask is, what are the effects? What are the effects when you experience something like with your mother, wherein you had to change to appease her? I just want to touch more on what the effects could be um, in a person. Um, could you please ask that again with more details so I can hone in on what you're saying? Yeah, so, well, my, my, I'll just talk about my personal experience. So my, I was always over, overweight as a kid and that was, that was never okay with my mom. So she was always like on top of me and trying to control me, what I ate, putting me on the scale. You know, it, it was a very traumatizing experience and, and I went to therapy and I talked about it and the therapist cleared it up because my mind couldn't make sense of it. Um, and she said, yeah, you felt like you weren't enough. So to me, that's that I, I had to kind of change to fit what my mom needed me to be. Mm -hmm. So I just want to know how that like reflects in um, whether it's lack of boundaries or whether what are the effects on the person when they go through something like that. All right. Thank you. And thank you for sharing. There are like so many effects. Uh, I could go anywhere with this. So let me just throw thing, a few things out there and see if they are more in line with what you're looking for. Um, especially when it comes to this idea for me of intimacy and surrender. When you're not good enough for your mother, when her masculine witnessing of you doesn't honor you, but instead dishonors you, that is so disgusting to me. That is like the knight in shining armor, rather than honoring the princess, rapes the princess like sells her as a slave to the enemy camp. That's what it feels like to me. It's so fucked up. And when we grow up with that, obviously the message and the internal value system that we must adopt in order to survive growing up, this is a survival thing we all have to do is agree with our mothers. Because if you go, no, I'm perfect. You change. Oh God, right? You're gonna be thrown out on the street or some people you might be hit or something like this. So you have to, in order to survive, agree with your mother. And this is when you start doing that fake thing. You develop an ego, an ego that is not you. It's a fake self. And the real self goes somewhere else, is hidden. That's why I say you wanna go in your shadow because this is how you heal. The stuff is this like the real self is in the shadow. So the fake self, the one that actually harms you is your ego, it's the one that you're aware of. And most people have this opposite, I really don't get it. They think that the shadow is something nasty. And I'm like, no, your ego is the nastiest thing. Your shadow is beautiful. So number one, you start to agree with your mother. 
Number two, you uh, actually start to become the shadow of your mother. So if your mom was like this lazy person, emotionally lazy, like, oh, I have my children to take care of me. You know, there, there are moms like this. They're kind of like, they act like their children are their tools, you know? Um, and so she's like this lazy feminine. Then you have to become her little boyfriend. Even if you're like a four-year-old girl, you become her boyfriend. Um, so you become this like control freak. You become a straight A student, you know? You start to empathically read her mind and provide things for her even before she asks for them. If your mom's like an alcoholic, you start making her drinks for her and serve them to her so she doesn't even have to get out of bed. You know, you do everything that your mom doesn't want to do and you become her shadow so that there's this like complete whole. And the complete whole is not you. The complete whole is your mom. So she can be this like functioning, barely functioning thing. So you start to lose your identity. And here you really learn to not feel your boundaries because feeling your boundaries is extremely unsafe in this situation. You start to only feel your mom's boundaries. You start to become like a part of her. So here, uh, if you start to not feel your boundaries, your masculine is fucked. You're feminine, you become like blind and deaf to her. So you don't feel your feelings. You don't even know what you feel. So if I ask you, hey, do you wanna do this? You're like, I don't know. I really don't know. You also start to become allergic to your own pleasure, which is really, really painful because boundaries are about pleasure. So if I do ask you, hey, is this within your boundaries? How you know, basically, is if it's a full body, yes. And you can imagine if you can't feel your body and you don't know what pleasure feels like, then you don't know if anything's a full body, yes. So you don't even know your own boundaries. So the kind of person who doesn't know their own boundaries is the most dangerous person to interact with because they will make you into their violator. Just like you agreed to your mom being your violator. So you just recreate that situation again and again and again. Um, I don't like interacting with people who are unsure of their own boundaries. You know, you are much safer with someone who is very sure of their boundaries. I think people who with good boundaries are sexy. You know, you're safe with them. Their yes means yes, their no means no, you know? And um, if you're around someone who isn't like that, then you will become the perpetrator. It's a really disgusting energy. And then they blame me for it, which is also really, really gross. It's like a mind fuck. So let me see what else in terms of, I mean, so you can see with your mom acting like that and like not honoring you. Um, well, this is a little bit aside from the divine masculine, divine feminine. You learn that like, you learn that you're not good enough. Like you, you learn to not trust yourself. You learn that like you have low self-value. So it'd be really, really hard for you to feel as if your boundaries are even worth defending. So like, I wouldn't be surprised at all if in this kind of situation, you just end up becoming this masculinized feminine person uh, serving other people and having a fair amount of shame and guilt. Um, and if you really, really, really do the serving other people thing, you probably have a shit ton of resentment also. Uh, this might even show up as disease in your body over time. Um, and you can imagine shame, guilt, resentment really lowers your vibration. So these are just some 
outcomes to this situation you described growing up? Do you have a response? No, I just wanted to say um thank you for for clarifying all of that. Um, because I've been I've been working on 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 a lot of those things that you mentioned, especially boundaries. I grew up in the Philippines where the concept of boundaries just doesn't exist. Yeah. Like um the culture is just yeah, everyone is just constantly crossing boundaries of their kids, of of everyone. It, it just it's just not spoken about. It's no one um respects this concept in the Philippines and I move here to London and it's a completely new um thing for me but but innately you know we all know what boundaries are you know we know that we need them to survive and to live um proper lives right so now it's something that I'm working on and I just wanted to ask um yeah how, how do you I guess you feel when when you're when you're when you're leveling up in that area of your life, right? And I feel that I I've learned a lot, and I'm and I am leveling up because of the work that I've been doing. But how do you know? <laughs> how do you know for sure, right? Um, so, just one really easy indicator is saying no to people, or or is especially asking them to change their behavior to make you feel more comfortable is easy for you. If you feel guilty and you feel shame and you're like, oh, I feel so bad asking them, um, you probably have low self-value still. So I'll give you an example. I'm extraordinarily sensitive to music. Like I, I, I basically really don't like listening to music. Uh, especially if it's not like some sort of like tone or something like that, like something like a Tibetan singing bowl is tolerable to me, but like top 40 hit, I can't, I can't, I can't. To me, it's extremely low vibration and it's programming me and as all these things, I just can't deal. So when I'm in a taxi cab, usually the radio is on and for me to be in my highest pleasure, for me to be in my boundaries, for me to be full body, yes, I will pay for this ride in this taxi cab. I have to ask them to turn off the music. And sometimes they go, okay, and they turn it down just like a little bit. I'm like, turn it off like zero, volume zero, you know? And sometimes they give me a lot of pushback because these like cab drivers is their cab, you know, like they like listening to this radio thing. And some people are like so into music, they literally can't not listen to music. You know, like picking the next song is like their most favorite thing because they're fucking addicted. You know, that's their four-year-old boy, by the way. So like not being present. Um, I've had to learn a lot over time to ask, not feel shame, not feel guilt, and just expect that that is what I'm going to receive. And I can tell you in the very beginning, it was so hard for me to ask this, that I got way more pushback from people because I was inviting in that kind of disrespect, their masculine disrespecting my feminine. The more I started to respect myself and had high self-value, it was very easy for me to ask. They always like, sure, no problem you know, because the energy I had was different. So I created a reality that reflected my internal value system. So you can see that, like, not only did I have less shame and guilt in making the request, but my exterior world literally re reflected my interior world and I had less conflict. So when people ask me things like, how can I have clear boundaries? How can I, you know, state things in the perfect way and stuff? I'm like, okay, 
okay, it's not about communication. It's about self-value. I can hear it in what you're asking. Um, if you have high self-value, it doesn't matter how you ask it. It will be, reflect it will be respected. And if you have low self-value, it doesn't matter how you ask it. It will not be reflected. So, or res respected, reflected the same. So you'll see it in your exterior world. That's like a really, really easy one. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. So someone else. Sure, I would like to ask um, about like attraction of your partner and creating your outside reality in terms of like intimacy. Um, would you say it is like this that you always attract um, how your internal uh, family dynamic basically is playing out that you always attract that level of partner or um, is there anything else that you think about how we attract a partner in to be intimate with? Okay, that's a good question. I think there's like two, maybe three ways to look at this and they usually overlap. A lot of times your own internal masculine reflects how your dad was and your own internal feminine reflects how your mom was. Um, a lot of times. And what I just said here today was that sometimes your masculine identified partner on the outside just reflects your level of masculine, how he's developed on the inside, whether or not he's just like your dad. So that could be the same or it could be kind of different. The main thing I would say, there's two things. The main thing I would say is the level of presence your masculine has in your system, whether it's the four-year-old who's not present, you know, raping all the time or being entitled and lazy and acting feminine and wanting service from the feminine, making her masculinized, you know, wanting a mommy, whether he's raping, violating, or wanting a mommy, like if that's your masculine, you will reflect that on the other, on the outside. If he is really mature and present, then that will also be reflected on the outside. Because if you just think about it, if you're extremely present with yourself, that means you're very attuned to yourself, which means you respect yourself. And if that's the case, then another part of you gets to trust yourself because you're extremely trustworthy. Just like a mom who's really attuned to her baby's needs, the baby will trust her mom. It's very simple. And also if you trust the universe, you know, that's because she's attuned to your needs and she's giving you again and again what you need even more than what you want, which is this whole other thing about manifestation. Like most people want to manifest something that they want, you know, um, as opposed to what they need. That's a, that's a whole other thing. It's a little side note. So if you're very present with yourself, there's no way you can tolerate a masculine identified person on the outside with less presence than you. You just won't tolerate it, period. But if you're not that present with yourself, it's like, you, a lot of times you want that outside person to value you higher than you value yourself. And you call that being seen 
you call that getting approval and you want that to somehow heal you. And that can't happen in my opinion. In my opinion, your own feminine needs to do her own effing work first internally and raise that self-value, release that shame and fear. Then the internal boundaries, internal presence, internal attunement, internal integrity will naturally follow. And then you'll reflect in that outside person. And I think it's only after that, and this is all my opinion, only after that is when, when the feminine's kind of closed again, he sees that and goes, hey, I see that you're closed. I love that part of you that's closed and like helps you surrender and open. You know, he like witnesses you with love and can help you open again. But if you're dealing with an immature masculine, he can't even do that, you know? So I feel like that happens at the highest level where even when the feminine is closed, the masculine can help her open again. Um, the other way, we're, there's like one more way. I think I already talked about it. The main thing is the masculine presence that you have internally, whether it's an immature four-year-old or really mature presence. Um, but the other way to look at it, the other side of the coin is the feminine who doubts her own self-worth. Like that is the other side of the coin. And they probably go hand in hand. You know, the feminine who doubts her own self-worth goes hand in hand with a masculine who's not present. So I bet you anyone with an intense addiction, even if it's to social media, um, has a feminine that has low self-worth. Because it's really easy to be with yourself and be present if you have high self-worth because it's like, abundance and creativity is within you and you want to be present with yourself because you're the best thing ever. Whereas if you don't want to be present with yourself, if you want to smoke pot, overeat, check out in front of the TV and you don't want to be present with yourself, it's probably because you don't like yourself. And so it all goes hand in hand. Did that answer your question or did you have like a a shade yeah. of meaning there. Yeah. Uh, no, that was really good. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Jonna, do you have something? No? Okay. Okay. So we have about 30 minutes left. I mean, I can just expand upon a few topics, but I really would prefer to ask have questions and respond to those questions. I wanted to ask like a little bit more about this creating your own reality thing that you were just talking about um, and how to like, what, what do you do to like be in touch with yourself? Like what are some practices that people can do to like really start listening to themselves? I know it's different for everyone, but maybe you can give some examples and suggestions. Sure. I mean, let's face it. Most people are not in touch with themselves. Most people are not in their bodies. They're in their heads and therefore they can't, um, sense their intuition and therefore they can also not sense their boundaries. There are many ways to look at this. I'll look at it on two different levels. One is just like physical in terms of your body versus your head. 
the other way is intuitive versus boundaries. So to be honest, how I got into this stuff more was my intuition was really easy for me to access. So my intuition came first. And therefore, I was developing my intuition and my boundaries on that level. And through that, I went into my body. Other people are much more body-oriented. You know, like dancers are crazy body-oriented. And whether or not they're that intuitive, they're very aware and body-aware. Um, whether or not they're intuitive to the point where, like, my intuition says, I have to do that. I have to do that next week on Tuesday. And I have to invite that one person. Like my intuition is like that level, you know, they may or may not be like that, but they have enough intuition in their body that there's something going on over there. So you can um, go towards that, those two different ways. So I'll first talk about the intuitive way. I said this before we started this talk, intuition and boundaries go hand in hand. Intuition is the feminine aspect. Boundaries is the masculine aspect. So if you develop your intuition, that means your boundaries will be stronger. If you develop your boundaries, that means your intuition will be stronger. Because your intuition is merely your body voice. It is merely your inner child telling you if she or he is happy or unhappy. And your boundaries are merely you communicating with the outside world, I'm happy or unhappy. Stop or continue. It's very simple, but we mess that up a lot when we're not in touch with our inner child when we're not in touch with our intuition. And so what you really wanna do is you wanna start leading with your intuition, not with your mind. Your mind is not intuitive, your body is. So if you're doing what your mind wants to do, and this is like people so scheduled up, they don't even have any free time on their schedule. They feel very like important, they're doing something. It's the equivalent of someone in my class writing five pages of notes and at the end of class going, oh, I wrote like five pages of notes. I'm like, you didn't learn anything. You wrote, all you did was you did something, but this is all intuitive work. You didn't learn anything. You just did something. So that's mind oriented. It's like action and it's linear. Whereas intuitive is magnetic. It's feminine. Things come to you. If you think about the element of water, water absorbs, which is why you, know, you go to the ocean to clean yourself because water absorbs. Um, water allows, you know, I mean, this is a whole other thing, but like, oh, I won't go into it. I was going to talk, I'll just mention this idea, like mother nature, like the planet allows us to do pretty much whatever we want to her. Like we can dump nuclear waste in her and she allows it because she's pretty much the body to our minds, our immature four-year-old masculine boys who are doing whatever. And this is a version of rape. So I just wanted to just throw that idea out there, I guess. Um, that was going way off. I wanted to throw that out there. So you have to lead with your intuition. So if you have an intuition, which believe me, you have all the time, your body has a voice all the time. It's just a matter of whether or not you're listening and paying attention and respecting what it has to say. So if you don't respect what it has to say, you're going to go, oh, I'm not in touch with my intuition. But if you respect what it has to say, it's very easy. It's already turned on. Your intuition's already turned on. There's no reason, there's no nothing to do. Your body's working, you know what I mean? So if you get an intuition, follow it. You have to lead with your intuition. And the more you do that, believe me, your boundaries will become stronger. Um, so that's one way to do it. The other way to do it is just go into your body, like exercise, sleep, 
eat well. Don't do things to your body that your mind is doing because it can't stand itself. Very simple things like the junk food and the alcohol or staying up watching Netflix or something. Those are very simple things. But the more subtle things are staying in touch with an energetically draining person that kills your body. And I bet you, you have like adrenal fatigue or stress or some kind of disease as a result. You know, I know people who are prematurely gray because of the stress of the people in their lives. You know, like that literally makes your life shorter. Stress kills you. Stress kills you and people are okay with this. So this is a more subtle or not so talked about way of violating your body. I'm going to call this rape. You are raping yourself and you're making yourself die sooner than you need to because your mind is not present. And I don't like this. This is very accepted in society. Um, so any body-oriented practice, for a lot of people, since it's a little bit hard for them to be intuitive per se, the way I'm talking about where I know, okay, next week on Tuesday, I have to do this thing. It'll be at this time. I'm going to invite that one person. Like I, my intuition kind of works like that. Just doing art, dancing, you know, walking in nature. Uh, nature is extraordinarily intuitive inducing. So these kinds of things can help you get in touch with your body, get in touch with your body voice, uh, being your intuition. It's more like body awareness, like swimming is body awareness. Reading a book about swimming is not body awareness. And that's what most people like to do. They're like, can you give me a book recommendation on healing? Like, no, you have to just do it. You know, and in class, I say, don't take notes because I want you to take the vibration in and learn from your vibration. This is me asking you to trust your feminine. Your feminine will bring home the bacon. Don't worry. Trust your feminine. She learns better than your masculine. You know, like, um, so, so those are some things. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, thank you for asking. <laughs> Other thoughts, questions, comments? Sure, I would like to ask another thing. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> um, so what, what if I, let's say, I trust my intuition to a point where I'm like, okay, tomorrow, let's say, tomorrow I have to fly to the Maladies, okay? But then I'm like, oh my God, this isn't logic. Yes. Like it makes sense. Like how would you like deal with something like that? Great. So again, the masculine needs to trust the feminine. He has to trust the feminine and the feminine makes no sense. You even hear like heterosexual men going like women, right? Because to them, women make no sense. But to like women, our emotional logic, our intuitive logic makes tons of sense. Uh, but they sometimes they want us to be rational like them, which means they disrespect our logic. I would say that our logic relies on our connection to the other side, relies on our connection to, some people call it the higher self. I don't know if I really like that concept, but um, to me, it's the other side. It's it's the aspect of you that is connected to your spiritual mission. I consider your intuition, your spiritual GPS system. So you need to listen to it. 
and this will help bring you into alignment with the universe. And if you're in alignment with the universe, guess what? You're abundant because the universe serves you like a good mom. But if you're doing the side weird thing and you're doing your ego thing and you're repeating the trauma of when you were growing up and doing this ego side thing that your mom liked from you, the person who made your mom drinks, for example, that version of you, you're not in alignment with the universe. Your, your life is not abundant. You're not doing your spiritual mission and you're not listening to your intuition. So your intuition is feminine and she doesn't make sense. And I actually say that if you have a reason, like a masculine linear reason, I'm very suspicious. I'm seriously very suspicious. If you have like 10 reasons, I don't know, you've probably heard this from yourself or one of your friends. Oh, I met this new person. We're dating. It's great. And they list like 10 reasons why they match. We're the same religion. Our moms and dads would like each other because of da, 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 da. And like there's all this weird stuff, like all these reasons where you guys fit. Um, I'm very suspicious of that. Whereas if you go, I'm going to do this. I'm like, okay. And like, and I have no reason. I just really want to do it. I'm like, oh, great. I totally support that. Like no reason is way stronger for me because that's intuitive. You know, reason is two plus two equals four. That is only true in a rational, logical world that is low vibration and dense. Intuition is the highest vibration possible. It's magical. It's where you change dimensions. It's where you make one decision that changes how you feel about yourself. So like your whole past changes as a result because the past, present, and future are happening at the same time. And the past and the future are illusion. I mean, this is an illusion. This present moment is an illusion. But to me, especially the past and the present are illusions. So if you've ever changed dimensions before, you might be able to tell because you're talking to a friend about something you guys experienced together in the past and they remember it like completely differently than you. And I would say it's a possibility that because you're talking to a dimensional copy, you know, it's not the same friend that you remember when you were in that dimension in that past. So intuition is connected to this level of magical reality. So you always have to go with your intuition because it helps you kind of like time travel and space travel and continuum travel. Whereas your logic keeps you really stuck, you know, like, um, here's another way to look at it. If you have an intuition, you have to follow it. If you have dialogue, like a response, like I have to, you know, fly to the Maldives and then your mind, your masculine, lazy four-year-old goes, we don't have money for that. Or like my boss won't let me do that. That is rape to me because that is like, the new boyfriend to that woman I was talking to you about going, hey, you need to hurry up. Everyone's going to be waiting on us. What's wrong with you, right? As opposed to you need 30 more minutes. I'm going to ask them for an hour because you're my princess, you know, and I'm going to defend your boundaries with my life. So if you go, I need to fly to the Maldives, then your mind goes, we're flying to the Maldives and we're going to make sure it happens. And if you're all on board like that, then, you know, magical things happen money appears out of nowhere, you know, like for whatever reason, that one ticket is extraordinarily cheap and just for you. It's like a glitch on your computer or something. This stuff happens all the time, but you have to believe that it's a possibility. If you don't think it's a possibility, you're raping yourself. You're like, like literally raping your life with a low vibration and like trauma. Because another thing I want to say 
is your ego is a result of trauma. So your mind and your ego, if it tries to recreate the low vibration traumatic lifestyle of the past, you're really hurting yourself in the worst possible way. It's like, to me, it's like spiritual rape. And I wanna say one more time, rape is violation, is perpetration. It's when the masculine energy puts this willpower on the feminine energy. And it can be as simple as this. My grandpa, before he passed, he was bedridden and my grandma had to feed him. And she would, I remember one time put it, she was putting like grapes in his mouth. And at one point he's like, no, no more grapes. And she put one more grape in his mouth. She forced it in. And I was like, I was really traumatized. I just watched my grandma rape my grandpa, you know? That was her masculine, not respecting his feminine because he was bedridden. He was pretty much like, like I mentioned that comatose person, right? So he, she had to do all the actions for him. He was like the child and she was like the mom. And she literally did not listen to his no. His very clear boundary was no. And she, she forced something, especially an orifice of his body to, to put something in someone's orifice against their will. That is textbook rape. So I have to say, some people get really triggered when I use the word rape a lot, but I have to say, I also see rape all the time and it's like societally sanctioned. And I really want to raise consciousness about the amount of rape left and right all the time, you know? Uh, and don't accept it. This will help raise your vibration. Don't accept it. Even something as simple as I live in uh, Mexico and I feel like oral rape, like oral rape is very, very accepted where people blast music in the middle of the night, no one says anything. They just accept that it's okay. You know, to me, that was really hard for me at first when I first came here. And then I just realized, I think this culture has had a lot of trauma around not being heard. So this is where they are like culturally accepted to be the most narcissistic. Most of the times, wherever you were the most traumatized, you become the most narcissistic to kind of check out. This is the classic not being present masculine. So, you know, I just think, you know, energetically, there's been some kind of not being heard, not being listened to kind of um, cultural violation from the past. Uh, so, yeah, I forgot, Simona, we were talking about something. <laughs> uh, and I forgot, I kind of ended at that point. Is that a good conclusion? Or were you, were, did you ask something? I forgot where we were at. I think that's okay, though. But like, can you please tell me, can you guide me back to where we were? Sure. Like, I also like drifted away a little bit with you <laughs> in that time. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I think your question was like, what do I do if my intuition says I need to fly to the Maldives? Exactly. Yeah. And I say, do it. <laughs> do it. Especially when there's, yeah, especially when there's no reason, do it. And then I got off onto this like rape thing, but definitely it is one of my missions. I really have to raise consciousness about this. So, okay. Any other thoughts, questions, comments? So is it kind of like living in the yes, right? Because you mentioned something about um, doubts and just, all this mental chatter being the mass, the undeveloped masculine or the, the oppressing masculine side of ourselves. 
So does that make sense? Like, is it more of like listening to our intuition and living in the yes and just always following that that guide? That makes sense. Yeah, so how I will repeat back to you what I heard you say is making it your mind's task, making it your masculine's task who ultimately decides what your whole system does. You know, If your mind doesn't wanna get out of bed, you're not gonna get out of bed. If your mind wants to go running, even though your body is tired, you're gonna go running. You know, like Your mind is always sort of like the one in charge. So making it your mind's task to always be attuned to the body and doing exactly what the body wants. Is that what you're saying? Yes. And I completely agree with that. And there's one little caveat. You can't trust your thoughts. This, I think we all agree. You know, your thoughts just hell, right? Thoughts are hell. But I would definitely argue that you can't always trust your feelings because your feelings can be messed with on so many different levels. And one thing I would say is, I mean, sometimes you have the thought first or you have the unconscious shadow thought and then like in, invokes a feeling and you think that's your real experience, but it's not true. Or there's like a lazy mind habit that wants you to like feel a certain way. So you just kind of like do a black magic on yourself and you like make yourself sick. Let's say you call out of work because, and you say you're sick, but you're not. But then somehow you convinced yourself and then you actually become sick, you know, this kind of thing. Um, there's this whole other thing where you can be attacked, psychically attacked and be given feelings that aren't really tr truly your feelings. But the one thing you can trust is vibrations. You can always trust vibrations and it's very different from thoughts or feelings. And that means your intuition has to be working. So when you say, you know, always go for the yes, what if that yes came from a confusion and you thought your body said yes, but that's because you just felt safe with your ego and it was the thing that made the other person pleased with you. So don't go for that in the lazy way. You know, it's kind of like the mom who knows better for the baby than the baby knows for him or herself. So if the baby goes, I wanna stay up all night, I'm having so much fun. And then the mom's like, no, you're going to bed because you're gonna be really cranky tomorrow if you don't sleep all night, you know? So it's like the mom kind of putting order on the baby for the baby's best interests, more what the baby wants, or sorry, more what the baby needs than what the baby wants. So go for the yes, but beware, you know, your body can be messed with, your feelings can be messed with, go with the vibration and always do what's in your best interest as opposed to what you want to do. Because sometimes what you want to do is really led by your ego and you can't tell. That that clarified it really nicely. Um, yeah, I, I agree completely that the vibe doesn't lie. Yes. The vibe. yes. So even if I even if I feel like sometimes my intuition needs that boost, you know, what I am sensitive to is energy, like knowing who's not like in alignment um, with the room when yeah. you enter it, you know. Um, so being able to, and I'm really um, grateful that I've become more in touch with that sort of um, vibration. Yeah. So right. thank you for that. Yeah. You're welcome. Okay. So 
we're coming up on like the last few minutes of this. Is there any other thoughts, questions, comments that you'd like to ask? Sure, I would like to ask just an example, something that happened to me uh, just recently. And I think the question is about uh, raising my inner boy, my inner masculine. Sure, like, I'm sorry, could you like shout a little bit? Yeah, sure, I'll just come a little bit closer. Great. But, um, so the questions about like raising the inner masculine, like how to do that, and I, just experienced an example of this where I think that my masculine is growing up slowly, but I just wanted to like uh, repeat it back to you and I would like to hear your thoughts about it. So basically this guy, he started messaging me on social media. Uh -huh. and he wanted to meet up and he seemed like super nice. And I was like, sure, that's nice. You know, why not meet up? But then we had a video call and my intuition was like, uh-uh, uh-uh, like the whole call through. And then I was like, just relax, you know, but I felt like so unsafe in that situation at one point. And he was like, yeah, come on Thursday. And then I started feeling very like sort of anxious about it, like to tell him that I, I wasn't going to come, that I cannot come that my body's telling me not to go. And like, it took me a while to just do it anyway. Um, and then he was really respectful and being like, yeah, that's okay. You know, if you don't feel it, thanks for telling me like in advance. So is this like kind of contributing to my inner masculine's growth? Like, is it normal that it's so like, nervous and anxious to like step up because it's something basically new that um, I am learning. Okay, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. My response to that is that nervousness probably came from that vulnerability I was talking about where you kind of have to give a chance for something new to happen uh, different than what you're used to receiving based on how your mom treated you. So you saying, hey, I have more self-value than I'm used to acting like before. Because if you asserted that self-value to your biological mom, most likely you would have been shut down, rejected, or something like this. Something bad would have happened, which is why your whole ego decided I'm going to hide my self-value, right? I'm going to lower my self-value to match what my mom wants me to do. So for you to say, hey, I have higher self-value, your ego is scared because your ego is dying. Your ego, the one that formed around mom is right, you know, I'm going to do exactly what mom wants. I'll become her appendage. I'll become her shadow. I'll become her helper. I'll become her energy slave, which is my word for an empath, term for an empath. We need to stop saying empath. We need to start saying energy slave because this more shows you what's going on. Just like, I'm gonna call out rape every single time I see it, you know, it's like happening all the time. So rather than being your mom's energy slave and being like an appendage to her life and her helper, you're first, you're primary, you're the queen. You know, all those people in the van, they have to wait 30 minutes to an hour. Who cares if their tour is fucked, you know? Like you're the queen. 
So your ego is dying in this case. And I would say that's where the nervousness comes from, especially because you're being vulnerable and, um, and you're giving a chance to your masculine to show up for you. And depending on the strength of your self-value is how that other guy on the outside would have responded to you. Because even if you said those exact same things, exact same words, if you are vibrating shame or fear, he would have responded much more negatively. So that's what I would say to your situation. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So any thoughts, questions, or comments to close for today? I don't really have a question. I just wanted to say thank you because um, it was really... Um, I think eye-opening is maybe a too big of a word because it's a lot of things that I'm working on, uh, working with and working on in general. But um, I love the way you put it into perspective with like um, examples and also um, how you always dialed back to um, something else that you were saying in the beginning to like just connect the two thoughts really helped me to also stay focused and like really take everything in. So I really liked it. Thank you. Great. Yeah. Thank you for that feedback. Um, other conclusion statements from people, what did you learn today or what was the thing that just really stood out to you? So for me, it was more of like, just like affirming what it is that, that um, I've been working on and also what I need to put more work on you know work on some more um it definitely like um sparked uh, an interest in me um to learn more about our masculine and feminine um sides and how we can um definitely i definitely want to work more on um healing my feminine side because like you said the, the masculine will follow. And um, yeah, just thank you so much for, for shedding more light on this topic. And um, yeah, thank you. You're very welcome. Samana, do you mind going? Sure. <laughs> um, so thank you. Um, that was really nice talk. And definitely what I can like take away from it is like, just trusting myself more at all times like just like okay maybe I need like an hour or a day to like feel into my intuition properly but like then like trusting it like really trusting it and developing that courage to like just step up and be like no my body told me this and I'm gonna follow it even if it doesn't make sense Yay. I love that. Especially if it doesn't make sense and you have to follow it. And um, one more thing I'll add to what you just said is for people who identify as empaths, then you might need like three days or three weeks by yourself in your own space to like feel yourself because you're probably so connected to other people. You literally do not know what you feel. And part of the function of being an empath or what I call an energy slave is that the other person's energy is in your body. So you literally think you want to do it. 
and the thing is the thing that would benefit that other person. It feels in your body like you actually want to do it. And so that's what's really confusing, you know, and so you really need to cut that energy connection and be in your own house by yourself, not texting that person. It's really hard to usually answer them on the spot. They're like, hey, do you want to do this thing for me? And you're like, uh, you know, like there's that expectation. That's enough for you to say yes. So um, don't be afraid to wait three weeks before giving a response. And if the deadline has come and gone, you know, and you still don't know your answer, the answer was no. So just operate from that place. Um, and I just wanted to encourage that. Okay. So thank you for being here. This is really great. Uh, I'm going to say goodbye for now. And